Hey, Hope City Church, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope you have an amazing day today. Hope you get a great gift that you probably paid for yourself, but uh, it's the thought that counts, right? So I uh, hope, hope you have an amazing day. Here's what we're going to do uh, today is I want to talk about this idea of new normal. And we're going to talk about this for a few weeks together because um, right now our world is not normal. Life feels just kind of not normal. Uh, and, and in one sense, that's where all of us are. But in another sense, as Christians, I don't know that we're really supposed to feel normal. I don't know that life is supposed to, to be normal because once you put your faith in Jesus, uh, you are, you're a stranger in, in this world. That's how Peter described it in his letter to, the, uh, to new Christians. He, he said that they were strangers and aliens in a world waging war against their soul. And that's, that's pretty strong language. C.S. Lewis famously said that we were made for another world. And so we are in kind of a disorienting place, a disorienting time. And I think in some ways we're all kind of waiting to get back to what we deem as normal. But the reason I want to talk about this idea of new normal is because for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who our faith is in Jesus, we were never supposed to be normal. This world, this life was never supposed to be normal. Jesus ruins normal. Faith breaks and kills the status quo. Jesus came to pull us out of out of normal. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And here's the question that we're going to try to answer together today is, since you've put your faith in Jesus, does your life feel normal or does it feel new? Since you put your faith in Jesus, does your life feel normal or does it feel new? And maybe when I ask that question, you would say, well, what's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked because the difference is everything. And to do that, to answer that question, we are going to look at a few verses together in the New Testament from the book of 2 Corinthians. It's in chapter 5, and we're going to read from verses 4 to 18, and then we're actually going to pray together. So let's read this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, or chapter 5, verses 4, 14 to 18. Here's what it says. It says, uh, it says, since we believe that Christ has died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. I would love to get us started with prayer. God, I pray that your word would speak to us today. I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would challenge us in that supernatural way that is incredibly loving 
uh, but also incredibly uncomfortable. I pray that you would force us through your word to, to examine our life, to see if we are following you in, in a new way or in a normal way. I pray that you would pull us out of our comfort zone and you would grow us. We are living in a world that wages war against our souls. So I pray that today your word would help us to feel stronger and to live more confidently by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a world that loves new. You love new. I love new. But because of that love for, for new, we also move on really quickly. All of us do this. We, we move on really quickly. Let's think of a couple examples of this. So think about, I think maybe the easiest uh, idea for this would be a new car. Think about a new car. So you get a new car or you get a car that's new for you. And if you buy it from, from like a dealer, it smells like a new car. It's an, it's an amazing smell and it's clean, it's been detailed, you get in that car, you drive, and you start to think thoughts to yourself like, I'm always gonna keep this car clean. Uh, I love this car, I'm gonna take care of this car. I could drive this car for 10 years. I, I, could, I could drive this car a really long time, but eventually, for, for most of us, the car begins to smell normal. It smells like the old car. It begins to look normal. The, the floorboards begin to look normal and there's bags in there, right? And so it doesn't feel new anymore. Another example would be like a fitness routine. We get excited. I don't know if you do this, but I do this. Anytime I get motivated to start like a new fitness routine, I like to buy a new pair of shoes. I don't know if you do that, I do that. I don't know what it is, but uh, some running shoes. And so we get it and we start this new plan or this new fitness program and it's new and it's exciting and we're committed to it and we start to think like we're going to lose more weight than we've ever lost or feel better than we've ever felt and we do initially but at some point the newness wears off and we kind of begin to live and act and eat normal right what, what about like a new house you move into a new house and that house is bigger than any house you've ever had and it's got more storage than you've ever had and this could be your forever home and you don't really you can't really imagine needing another house you don't really need a different house this house has tons of room and it's in the great it's in a great spot but eventually it's not new anymore and i don't know if you've noticed this or not but you run out of storage space you run out of you run out of space and you begin to think that Maybe you need something new. We could give all kinds of examples, new relationships, new jobs, new churches even. We could, we could do this. And so there is this cycle where new begins to be normal. New becomes normal. And so when we take that idea, and we all know this is true for, for our lives, we take this idea and we put this on our spiritual lives. The same thing can be, can be seen. We experience the same thing. For so many of us, we began a relationship with Christ or, or had an experience that was new. It was new and it was exciting and it was passionate, but somewhere along the lines, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe even years, somewhere along the line, new became normal. Passion slid into this normal experience. And when that happens, 
we don't completely abandon our faith in God. We don't walk away from our faith in God and say, well, I don't even believe in him anymore. Instead, what we do is we just have a half-hearted commitment to God. And, and church or, or our faith becomes a commitment that we try to keep like all the other commitments in our life. And here's why that's such an important distinction, because if you hang around church long enough and you hang around Christians long enough, here's what you begin to piece together in your own mind, that a half-hearted commitment to Christ is normal. It's normal. It's what Christians do. It's what people do. You start out excited, then you settle in, and a half-hearted commitment is normal. And you fit God or church or your faith into all those other commitments. You'll do it if you can, but you got a lot of other things going on. And Jesus actually talked about this. He, in, um, in Luke 13, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower. He said he was describing different kinds of people and responses to, to the word. And he said that there are a kind of person, there's a kind of person that hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but they don't have any roots. And then life comes along, pressures, worries of life, commitments in life come along and it pulls them away. Jesus said this is a real response to to the gospel, to the word, to, to faith. This is what happens to us, is that passion and excitement becomes, becomes normal. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to compare what I just described, what you know is true and what I know is true, that, that, that feeling that we get in our spiritual lives where new kind of becomes normal and half-hearted becomes normal. I want us to take that and I want us to compare that, lay that over top of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what we read. I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about most of or the normal Christians that you know. And I want you to, to lay that over top of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want you to compare. Let me, let me read it to you again. I just read verse 17 to you. But verse 17, if we're, if we're laying this over top of what our experiences have been for ourselves and, and so many Christians that we know, Paul says that anyone who, uh, how differently we know him now, into verse 16, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And I want you to notice that exclamation point. He says how differently we know him now. He He's excited, he's passionate. How differently we know him now is what Paul's saying. So I want you to, to think about your life. I want you to think about the lives of so many Christians that you know. And I want you to ask yourself, do, in your experience, do you feel like Christians yourself, Christians that you know, do you feel like you live with exclamation points? Do you feel like you live a new life? Or would you say, you know, I started out with some exclamation points, but it, it slid into normal. It slid into kind of just a, a mediocre, complacent, half-hearted thing. And yeah, my life is better in some ways. It's actually better, maybe better in a lot of ways. But if I was being honest, maybe you would say about yourself or the people that you know who are Christians, you would say, but my old life isn't gone. My old life is not gone. I mean, there are some, there are a lot of differences 
that are better, but it's not that my old life is gone. My old life is very much at play in my life. And a lot of times, honestly, it feels as if it's maybe dominating my life. It's better, you would say, Jason, it's better, but I, I wouldn't say that it's, it's new. Maybe you would say it's different. Yeah, it's different, but I wouldn't say that it's, it's new. I quoted uh, C.S. Lewis earlier, but I, I want to quote him again because he has just an amazing quote in, in Mere Christianity. Maybe you've read it before, but um, I'm paraphrasing, but C.S. Lewis said, Jesus, Christ didn't come to make better men. He came to make a new kind of man. And this is my favorite part. He said, he didn't come to teach horses to jump better. He came to give them wings. I love that. This idea of flying horses, that that's in some extreme metaphorical way, what C.S. Lewis is saying is he's saying Christ didn't come just to improve your leaping ability. He wants you to fly. He wants, he wants to put wings on you. He doesn't want you to be a better man, a better woman, a better person. He wants you to be a new kind of person. So how would you describe your faith. How would you describe your relationship with Christ? Would you say, well, you know, I've learned to jump better, but I definitely don't feel as if I have wings. I'm different, but I don't know if I'm new. And the reality is this is really hard. This is really hard because we do come to Christ wanting to change. We do come to Christ needing our life to be different. But instead of letting the Holy Spirit do a transformation in our lives, we settle for just improvement because it's easier to quantify. The Holy Spirit wants to do a transformation. We settle for improvement. And the reason that we do this is because we find God in the crisis of our life. We find God when, we are, when we're struggling. It, it reminds me of one of my favorite uh, plays, one of my favorite Broadway musicals, Guys and Dolls. It's a really old play. And they actually made a movie um, with Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando. And you probably haven't seen it. I don't even know where you could find it. But um, it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite movies and musicals. And long story short, Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando are gamblers. And Frank Sinatra bets Marlon Brando that he can't get this uh, nun or this minister at the local mission to go on a date with him. And so Marlon Brando goes into this mission to, um, to, to try to get a date, and he fakes repentance. He fakes that you know, he wants God because he's trying to you know, create a connection with her. Uh, and, and he says he has a gambling addiction, even though he's on a winning streak. And when he tells uh, the minister that, she says back to him, she says, hmm, that's odd. I've never known a gambler on a winning streak to want to repent. And I've always loved that line because it's so true. We don't find God. We don't search for God on our winning streaks. We don't search for God in our promotions or on our honeymoon. It's on the way down when we're struggling and filled with questions and doubts and consequences that we search for God. So it makes sense that we would come to him wanting something different. We would come to him wanting change in our, in our lives. The problem is we don't allow him to do a complete transformation. We only give him enough time or ask him to just improve. 
But that's not what the Holy Spirit does. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't just rearrange the furniture. Jesus does a complete rebuild. We want a new life. We don't want a new life, I should say. We don't want a new life. We want a better life, and we'd like to keep the good parts and change the bad, but that's not what Jesus does. He rebuilds. He doesn't remodel. He does new construction. And look again at verse 17. Paul says, how differently we know him now. This this new life has begun. This old life is gone. And as I read that verse to you, as I say that to you, can you say that? As you're thinking about your faith, as you're thinking about your relationship with Christ, can you say those words, how differently I know him now? I have this new life that has been created by God and this old life that I had is is gone. What if you can't say that? What if you would say, you know what, my faith, my relationship with Christ started out like a new car and it was pretty awesome, but if I'm being honest, there are a lot of fast food trash bags on the floorboard of my soul. Or maybe you would say, you know what, I, I, my relationship with Christ started out amazing, but if I'm being honest, now it feels a little bit like a ball and chain. It started out pretty exciting, but now it just feels normal. If you can relate to any of those things that I just described, if you can relate to that sentiment that, you know what, I, I, don't, I can't say I know him differently now. I can't say necessarily it's a new life. It could be that what you experienced was not salvation. What you experienced was religion. Think about it. Maybe you raised your hand and prayed a prayer, sinner's prayer. Maybe you were baptized as a camp, as a child. But you cannot say the words that Paul said in verse 17. It could be you experienced religion and not salvation. Well, how can we know? You say, well, now I'm kind of, you got me guessing a little bit now. Like, how can I know? Did I experience the real thing? Did I experience salvation or just have a religious experience? How can we know? Well, The passage that we're reading today tells us. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 18, Paul lays out four ways that we can know we are a new person. And I want to just walk you through these, and we'll walk through these together so that we can see these four ways, and we can use these as a mirror on our souls, on our life, on our faith, to to confirm for ourselves, to know for ourselves that we're not just different, we're new. That we didn't just have a religious experience, that we're not just a normal Christian, but that Christ has made us new. So let's look through these together. Let me give you these four ways you can know that you're a new person. The first way that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, the first way you can know you're a new person is that you believe Christ died. You believe Christ died, and it's in verse 14. He says, since we believe that Christ died for all. This is the first way you can know you're a new person. This is the foundation of the gospel. We believe that Christ came from heaven to live and to die on the cross because we could not make ourselves 
right with God. We couldn't do enough good things to be good with God. We had to have the cross. And as I'm saying that, as I say, hey, here's the first way you can know you're new is that you believe in the cross. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, 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 I know that one. Go ahead and skip to number two. But hold on. Do you? Because I'm not asking, I'm not asking, do you believe that a man named Jesus came uh, and lived and died? I'm really asking you, do you believe that Jesus had to die? Jesus had to die. The difference between believing that Jesus died and believing that Jesus had to die is the difference between having faith in yourself and faith in the cross. It's really uh, easy, scary easy, actually, I would say, to be a religious person but not really need the cross, not really need Jesus. Religion without the cross is based on behavior modification. It's based on church attendance. It's based on kindness. It's based on, you know, trying to be a good person. But that, that religion doesn't need a cross. Because there is this assumption that eventually we'll be able to get it together enough to not need Christ and grace and the sacrifice that he paid for you and me. But for those of us who have put our faith in Christ and have experienced salvation and a new life, we know that a relationship with God is not based on our performance. It's based on Christ's performance. And so not only do we believe that he died, we believed that he had to die. And so this is, this is the first way that we can know that we are a new person who believe that cry in Christ and the cross. But let me give you a second one. It's also in verse 14. The second way you can know that you're a new person, Paul says, is you don't want your old life anymore. This is what he says in verse 14. He says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. You don't want your old life anymore. Have you ever talked to somebody who's married, but every time they talk, you kind of get the sense they wish they were single? Have you ever known somebody like that? Like they talk about what they feel like they're missing out on. Have you ever been around somebody like I'm 36 now? So I'm, I am, I'm 19 years. So next year will be our 20th high school reunion. And, and so I'm, I'm far enough away from high school now that I get really freaked out when I talk to a man my age who still talks about high school. You ever known somebody like that? Like they talk about, they, they really miss like spring break 98, you know, or like 2002 or whatever it is. You ever talk to somebody like that? Or, or maybe think of it like this. Paul, Paul's describing this idea of not believing that we don't want our old life. Think of it like this. Like when you look at an old photo of yourself, you know that feeling when you look at a photo of yourself and you're like, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Why was I wearing that? What fashion phase was I going through at that time? You know that feeling? Well, did you know that not everyone feels that way when they look at old photos of themselves? That there are people who look at old photos and go, man, I look good. I wish I looked like that. I wonder if I can still get into that leather, ja that leather jacket or leather jacket, either one, right? There are people who feel that way. And this is what Paul's describing. When, it, when he says that, that we, we've died to our old life, he's saying, are you the type of person who thinks about what your life used to be? And if you were being honest, you'd say, I miss it. I, I miss it. 
feel like I'm missing out on something. This life before Christ, like if I'm being honest, I miss it. And, and if, you would, if you would think about your old life in that way, if, if the old life of sin that you had before Jesus Christ doesn't have this bitter, metallic, awful taste, if, if the death of sin you don't feel like really was death, it could be that you're a Christian or trying to be a Christian for someone else, but you don't really want to be. Maybe your spouse wants you to be or you think you need to be for your kids or maybe your parents want you in church. And, but the reality is, is that you don't believe that your old life has died. And if you're being honest, you don't even really want your old life to die. You, you miss it. And you wish you could kind of go back if, if, if nobody would know, or if you could get away with it, or if nobody would judge you for it. And Paul says to us, he says, this is a way that you can know that you're not just different, that you haven't just moved around the furniture in your life, but that you are a new person, is that you don't want that old life anymore. Let me give you a third one. Paul tells us that another way that you can know that you have been made new, that you are new, is that you don't live for yourself anymore. This is in verse 15. This is what he says in verse 15. He says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. And what does that mean? What does that mean not to live for yourself? Well, think of it as the difference between babysitting and parenting. When you're babysitting, yes, you're caring for someone, and, and, and yes, you're doing your best to, to provide the best care that you can, but maybe you're doing it to get paid, maybe you're doing it to get nice, wherever you're doing it and however well you're doing it, at some point, you're going to leave. That person that you're caring for is not the most important person or thing in your life. But that's different from parenting, because if you are a parent, you know that moment when that child is laid in your hands, you know that moment that you're not living for yourself anymore. You know it. You, you recognize in some way that you're not, you're not saving money for yourself anymore. You're not um, keeping a calendar for yourself anymore. You, you don't have a Netflix account for yourself anymore, right? That you, you now live for someone else. And as you're holding that child in, in your arms, you're not forcing yourself through discipline and will and behavior to say, you know what, you need to love this person and live for them and sacrifice for them. That's not what you're doing. What's happening in that moment is that your heart has changed. And because your heart has changed, your behavior and your thought life, it has changed. And Paul is saying that's what it's like when you have become new in Christ, that you don't you don't not live for yourself because you were able to come up with a great discipline routine. You don't live for yourself anymore because your heart has been, your heart's been changed. It's not your life, it's Christ's life. And, and it's actually really easy, scary easy actually, to, to, to um, follow Christ but instead of, or, or to think you're following Christ, but you're really asking him to follow you. And the way you can know if this is potentially true for you is, is that you find yourself maybe bitter. 
you find yourself um, angry, you find yourself struggling to have faith, if it means that you have to lay down your life, if God would ask you to obey, if God would ask you to do something different than what it is that you want to do, that Christ would somehow, uh, you feel like, force you to not be able to spend money the way you want, chase the dreams you had, have sex the way or with who that you want. These things bother you because you want to live your life. Now, to be clear, all of us as Christians struggle with obedience. All of us wrestle with this feeling that we, our flesh wants us to live this life. But when you are new, instead of just, instead of just different, you recognize that your life is not your life. And that Christ gave his life for you, so you give your life for Christ. So maybe in this moment of self-reflection, you could just ask yourself, how much of your life has changed because of your faith in Christ? Has your 20-year plan changed? Has the way you spend your money changed? has, has, Has your neighborhood changed? Has your friends changed? Has anything changed in your life? Not because Christ handed you a list or someone told you this is what you have to do, but because you say, it's not my life anymore. I'm not living for me. I'm living for him because he came and he lived for me. Paul says this is a way you can know that you're new. You don't live for yourself anymore. But let me give you one more. Here's the fourth way that Paul says you can know that you're new. And we've read this a couple of times, but the fourth way is that you know Jesus differently. It's in verse 16. He says, so, so at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But then he says, how differently we know him now. I love this. I love it because it's a reminder to us that faith is supernatural. Faith is supernatural. This is what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He, he told Nicodemus, he said, because Nicodemus came and want, he was a religious person. He wanted to know, how can I be saved? How can I, I want to do this? And Jesus said, humans can reproduce human life, but only the spirit can reproduce spirit life, spiritual life, a life of the spirit. In other words, Jesus was saying, you can't add it up. Two plus two doesn't necessarily equal four. Spiritually speaking, rebirth, being reborn only happens, born again only happens through the Spirit. And that's what Paul is describing here. He's describing a light bulb moment, an aha moment in your soul, something stronger than you, something outside of your reasoning, something outside of your logic to where you would say, there was a moment when I thought I knew God, But I realized in that moment, something changed. My eyes were open. Something happened, and I realized I know him differently. I thought I knew what faith was. I thought I knew what grace was. But in that moment, that aha moment, I I, I realized that I know it differently now. And it wasn't just because the music got loud or good or because I got goosebumps. It was because something supernatural happened in my soul. The Bible says that the eyes of our heart are open, that people who haven't had that relationship, that the, the, the experience, the Bible describes them as blind. Their eyes are still blinded. But those of us who would say, yeah, there was a moment, there was a time when the eyes of my heart, light bulb, aha, oh my gosh, I never, I see it now. I, I get it now. One of those moments. And the best way I know to explain this is um, thinking about the night that I fell in love with Andrea. And I wish I could tell you that it was love at first sight. Uh, but it wasn't. Now, I don't remember all the details, I'll be honest with you, but Andrea 
promises. She swears that we were like friends for like two years before what I'm about to tell you. And I know that we knew each other and we were kind of around each other, but I definitely wouldn't say that we were like friends. Like I don't, she, I believe her. She's telling the truth. She has a better memory than me, but, but on this night, Marietta Church of God, Sunday night, I'm standing in the musician's pit playing the guitar, church with like a bunch of doors, but there's a center aisle, the doors open up, and this lady, this girl walks through the door, and in, in that moment, I guess it would be fair to say that I knew her before then, but in that moment, I knew her differently. I had seen her before, but in that moment, I was seeing her differently. My eyes were open, but it would be fair to say that in some way I can't really explain. My eyes were opened. And, and in that moment, my heart was changed. And, and, I, and it would be silly for me to say, well, let me tell you why that happened. Let me explain. Let me give you a roadmap. If you want an experience like that, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to play the guitar. You need to go to Georgia. You need to go to that church. It has to be a Sunday night. No, it's not a formula where you add all this up. You just know that in that moment, I didn't find love. Love found me. I didn't look in the mirror that night and say, I'm going to find love tonight. No, love found me. And we don't go to God and say, okay, God, I, I took a shower. I put on cologne. I've saved a lot of money. I got a great life plan. God, will you have a relationship with me now? That's not the way that it works. We cannot earn or impress God to love us or have a relationship with us. Love finds us. And I know what we mean when we say we find God, but we don't find God. God finds us. And these are those aha, supernatural, Holy Spirit moments where we go, I thought I knew, but now I know differently. I thought I had experienced, but now I have experienced differently. And so can I just challenge you in a moment of self-reflection here? Have you had have you had that moment? Have you had one of those moments? Where, where you wouldn't say, I didn't just pray a prayer. I didn't just sign a piece of paper. I, I was, my, my heart was transformed. My heart was transformed. A life following Christ is a life of constantly uh, becoming new. The Bible calls it renewing, right? And here's the best part. Look at verse 18. Paul says, and all of this, all of what? All of faith in the cross, all of not wanting our life, old life anymore, all of uh, not living for ourselves anymore, all of knowing him differently and having that aha moment. Paul says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. It's a gift. It's a supernatural gift from God. And so as I've described these, maybe you would say, Jason, I don't know that I can say that I know him differently. I don't know that I can say I don't want to live for myself. I, I want to lay down my life. I don't know that I can say that I don't want my old life anymore. I don't know that I can say that my faith is in the cross and not in myself. I don't know that I can say that. It may be that you are trying to use religion to get to God, but religion will never get you to God. Only Jesus gets you to God. This gift of God, that's what he says. It's a gift from God through Christ. And so I think maybe the best way that we could end this today would be to pray a prayer and to ask God 
to, to invite God to do whatever it takes in order for our life not to be normal. God, I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be a normal Christian. I don't want to have normal faith. I don't want to go to a normal church, God. I want something new. God, just, God don't just remodel my life. I want you to, to, to build something new in my life. I want a new heart. I want a new mind. I want a new faith. So I don't know what words you need to use exactly to fit your story, but I'm going to pray for us, and I want to encourage you to pray with me. Like, use your own words. Pray out loud. Use your own words and pray to God in some way saying, God, I don't want to be normal. And I'm asking you and inviting you into my life so that I'm not normal anymore. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus and for the cross and that you don't accept me because of my performance, but you accept me because of Christ's performance. And so God, I am asking you and inviting you in and and telling you, God, I don't want to be normal. I don't want a normal faith. I don't want to be a normal Christian. I don't want to go to a normal church. I don't want to be a normal dad. I don't want to be a normal husband. God, I, I don't want to be a better man. I want to be a new kind of man. And I don't want to learn to just jump better, God. I want wings. And so, God, I'm asking you, and, and I'm praying for me, but, God, I'm praying for every person who is, who is listening to this or watching this right now. God, I am, I am asking you to ruin their normal lives and do something brand new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.